0: Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make Him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you and we hope you enjoy. Uh, Good morning, everybody. Thank you. (laughs) Um, So, some of us are looking forward to a uh, big event coming up a little later today. We're excited about it. Annual church business meeting. I'm excited about it. And then there's uh, Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone! Uh, a little early. I read somewhere this week that it is the least liked major holiday of the year. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, if it is, maybe it's because if you're if you're not married and you're in a relationship, maybe it puts a lot of pressure on you. Um, I think that's probably true. Uh, of course, if you're married, it puts pressure on you also, so that <laughs> doesn't, um, and I am really thankful, I'll say that publicly, for my Valentine, my, my lovely wife, um, who, yeah. Who so I love very much, and of the many things I love her for, she keeps me uh, dressed appropriately. So she absolutely demanded this morning that I change the shirt that I was planning on wearing. (laughs) And it it was a demand. I wasn't going to get away with anything else. And so I chose this, and she said, well, that's better. (laughs) Thank you for helping me out there. I really need help on that. Uh, We're in a a series that we have, it's, it's about the rhythms of life, and resetting, so the, the term we're using is reset, resetting our, our lives to those rhythms, the normal patterns and, and uh, uh, th- cycles of, of life that uh, we should be doing, resetting our lives in that way. Um, so today is call, uh, is on the value of community, we're going to look at the idea of community, I want to build a case for uh, community in your life, the value of community, okay, I want to begin with a discussion of Trinity. The Trinity is a term that came in use uh, in Christian history in the 4th century, uh, but it really described beliefs that go back to the apostles about the nature of God and the Godhead. So, very briefly, the Trinity, our, our belief says that our God consists of three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When we say that, we don't mean one God in three different modes like one man could be father, brother, son, so forth. We don't mean that. We also don't mean three separate gods, but we mean one God who consists of three persons who are so completely and perfectly unified that we still hold very strongly to it being one God. But there, within the Godhead, the three persons, there's mutual love and mutual communion that happens in the Godhead. Now, why is that important? I want to take you to the time before creation, Then there was a time in history before anything, uh, before mankind was, of course, and before the world was, and before angels were created, when uh, God was God from eternity past. We believe very strongly, because the Bible teaches it, that an essential part of God's nature is love. God is love. Uh, We're told that in many places. It says that particularly... In the book of 1 John, says it more than once. So the nature of God, he is by nature love. And the plurality that is in the Godhead is a logical necessity, because love, if it exists, must have an object. If, it, if there's no object to set your love on, then love cannot exist. God's nature does not change. He is always the same, and he has always been, by, de- by nature, love. And so that necessitates that there be love existing within the Godhead. And so what we have is a community that is within the Godhead where for eternity past, as well as to eternity future, love exists and flows, and he is our image that we are patterned. At. Where we're going with this today that God created us to be social beings. Like him. We're created to emulate him and be very much like him. Our society is, uh, as you know, experiences uh, the breakup of personal relationships. It's right and left. We have never been so disconnected as we are today. And people live very isolated lives, and I think a lot of people live very lonely lives, probably We have that happening right here, as dreams. But in the world uh, uh, wider than than this, it's a very prominent thing, the loneliness that people experience. Um, I think the Beatles were describing this when they wrote the song Eleanor Rigby. Uh, When they said the words went, All the lonely people, where do they all come from? All the lonely people, where do they all belong? There's something about that that touches us, and it's a very sad song, but it's true. There's just a lot of loneliness out there. People lead lonely lives. And I think most people sense the need for relationships and community, but don't know how to get there. They desire it, but don't know what to do to make it happen. So I want to go back to now our theme, which is looking at our lives, resetting our lives and I want us today to just take stock, and that's what the whole series is about, is taking stock of where we're at, and, and, and where do we want to be, and getting back to that. But to have healthy and right patterns in our life, where are we at today, where, where are you at, who are you, uh, what is God's purposes in your life, and are you, are we doing the things that are really important and so that leads to the question today, we're talking about community, are we connected? Um, are we doing the things that really matter in life? Are we living intentionally? That's the question that I want to raise. So are we living, are we connected, are we living and growing as part of a community with relationships that God intended us to have? So I want us to see, and this is the purpose today, I want us to come to see the value and importance of community, So that's the title, the, the value of community. God created us with that need for relationships. It's part of uh, who he is, and so he built that into us. It's a, it's a need for relationships, it's a, a need for community. Now when we are talking about a relationship uh, between two people, it's a relationship, but if we're talking three or more, then we're talking community. So both are, are there, both are, are how God designed us and wants us to be. Uh, Genesis 2, 18, we're gonna trace this a little bit in the Bible, that God created us this way. Uh, then the Lord God said, it "Is not good that the man should be alone. "'I will make a helper fit for him.'" Now, of course, we know that this is speaking of marriage, but the principle goes beyond marriage. It's, it's way beyond marriage. Uh, we're not to live isolated, alone lives. And marriage in and of itself doesn't fulfill our need for relational relationships. And I think sp- as spouses, we all understand that. It in itself uh, does not completely fulfill that need, that desire we have for relationships. We need community. Now, on the other hand, it is not true that we must be married in order to have fulfilling community or fulfilling relationships. Because we've got several examples in the Bible of single people that, and that God blesses them and, and uh, causes them to to have fulfilling relationships in other ways. part of how God designed us. 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another. To love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. That's how he designed us. When we uh, have, have been created by a God who loves, that is what he made you to be When we love, we're simply doing that which we were created to do. It's essential to our very nature. We were designed to, to love God, and then as the extension of that, we were designed to find our deepest fulfillment when we love God first, when we love others, and when that comes together into a community that we find identity and we're part of. Um, I want to trace next God's plan for community uh, in the New Testament. Because that's when the kingdom of God really came and was established on the earth. So God's plan he launched the kingdom of God, or I should say Jesus launched the kingdom of God, by preaching, by healing, by forming then a group of 12 individuals who came around and joined with him. So Mark 13 and 14, Mark 3, I should say, 13 and 14. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, And they came to him, and he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him. This is the first small group of the church. (laughs) And that was his plan. That was the way that he wanted to launch things on planet Earth, was with a group, and they would spend time together. And they would develop close personal relationships together and do life together together. We see the further development of this, what I'm going to call the Jesus community, okay? Um, After Jesus uh, went to the cross and rose from the dead, then Acts 1.4 says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. In other words, they were not to disperse. Um, It reminds me of a teacher with a classroom of children. If you go on a field trip... uh, Right, Susie? You have a hard time corralling those kids. That's why you want a lot of parents with you on field trips. Uh, you don't want those kids to be dispersing everywhere. Jesus didn't want his disciples going every different direction. It was very important to his plan of establishing his kingdom that they stay together. So he said, wait in Jerusalem until you get the promise from on high, which was the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then uh, Acts One. And when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. This just shows that they did what Jesus had told them to do. They stayed together. And so this, this chapter 2 describes the coming of the Holy Spirit where he filled each uh, of the disciples. But it was important that they were together, that they were in one place and together. would not have happened the same if they had simply dispersed and each gone their own direction. And then a little bit later in Acts 2, we see the functioning of that early uh, community of believers. So Acts 2:42 and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. I want to focus for a little bit on that term fellowship because uh, and the other terms are important but fellowship uh, in the Greek it's koinonia and what it means is to share together in something. And what the disciples were sharing together in was the life of Christ. As they got together they shared deeply in the life of and the flow of Christ by His Holy Spirit. And so there was koinonia when they came together. Uh, Verse 44 of Acts 2, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Uh, There was a real sharing. So this is how the koinonia extended, was by having things in common. Uh, They were so connected that they didn't really even believe that anything was their own. Uh, Verse 45, And they were selling their possessions and distributing the proceeds to all, As any had need. There was nobody that was needy in that original community of believers. They took care of each other, they looked out for each other, they supplied each other's needs. Verse 46 And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. There were two places that the early community of believers met one was at the temple, the larger gathering, and then they met from house to house. I'm going to touch on this a little bit later. In the message, but two different places, where uh, came together. And Then verse forty-seven, praising God. Now the verse goes on, but that's the part I wanted to focus on. The praising God is a continuous activity that was happening as they were meeting together. So they had praise and worship. We don't know what that looked like. Maybe they had a praise and worship band. You know, maybe, maybe Peter was the the leader of the band up here, and Andrew was on drums, and maybe uh, Thomas was on bass guitar. I I don't have any idea what they did. Um, They probably did singing, I bet they did, they probably had musical instruments, because in Old Testament worship they had a bunch of musical instruments, but it describes what the community of faith did when they came together. Okay, so that's the biblical pattern, and let's go now to benefits uh, of being part of a faith community, there's there's really a benefit to any kind of uh, community that you might belong to, uh, you might belong to a community at work, you know, a, a group of employees, and maybe even that group meets together, you, you might have a project that you work on together, or maybe you uh, meet at other times, you know, other, uh, for non-work, just for getting together, um, or maybe you have a community group that you get together, just for getting together, you know, friendship and having fun. Maybe you have a workout group that you get together, all of these kinds of groups have benefit, there's benefit to it, but only a spiritual community is going to really be of spiritual benefit. And so I want to advocate for that, a spiritual community made up of fellow believers where we gather together and we have a common faith um, that will help us grow in the Lord. There's great value in that because God designed us once again to live and do life together with other people not to do our lives separately. never was his plan or purpose, but he wants us to do it together. So I've got a quote here, and this is the quote. We get perspective on life and living with God from being with people. Now, let me see who, I I know who said that. I'm checking, I don't see it here. Oh, that was Sherry Michelson that said that. Because uh, we have had this discussion quite a bit, and this is actually a, uh, a thing that she's very passionate about, so I said, "Well, this is going to be the topic. Do you have something that um, you want included?" And I, and the first thing she said was that. So I want to say it again, and I, I think she ha- was onto something. So that's why I'm including that today. So we get perspective on life and living with God from being with people. It's true. Yeah. It's absolutely true. Let me list some other benefits of a faith community, being part of a faith community. We're loved and accepted. We have the opportunity to show love and care to others. We're encouraged. We're strengthened in our faith. We're challenged to grow in our faith and in our life with God. We're healed from brokenness. Now, that, of course, doesn't happen apart from God. Not saying that. But I believe God uses people around us to help heal us from our brokenness. That's a method that he uses. And so the, coming together with other people is part of that process of healing in our lives. As we're talk, thinking about the benefits of community, I was reminded of a way that I, was, I grew up, and that was the functioning of the church, was a very strong community that I was raised to be part of. My father was a pastor, and uh, in our background, this would be true for my wife Sherry also, we had a very rigid church schedule, weekly. So uh, we, we, everybody came for adult Sunday school on Sunday morning, and then there was a, a worship service on Sunday morning. Sunday evening worship was a big part of our schedule, and then a Wednesday evening worship service, and everybody did that. And we kind of could judge whether... Uh, people were very spiritual or not by how consistently they were at all of those all of those meetings, and probably the right word there is is judge. Um, but there was something very valuable in that community that we were raised in. I would not advocate going back to that rigid schedule because our our culture is different. we, we can't make that happen today, uh, and I don't want to go back. I, I enjoy my Sunday evenings off. I really do. but <laughs> In thinking of it, though, there was something very valuable. There was a benefit to the strength of the community that she and I were both raised in. Uh, we were part of a community, and there are effects of that community that, that are still on us and who we are today. It affected our lives in a very positive way. Now, there were some negatives also in the way that we were raised, but the community was such a, a big part of who we are today. It contributed to our spiritual strength in lives today. There's some roadblock blocks though to experiencing spiritual community. I, I think there's two big ones. One is time, because we've got to make the time for it to happen. It doesn't happen automatically. You've got to go out of your way to to meet, to be together. And we like our time at home. I do. I like sitting on the couch. Um And just relaxing or watching TV and so there's got to be a conscious intentional decision uh, to be part of a community it takes time and then I think the other thing that is often a roadblock block to effective spiritual community is the vulnerability that it requires and and it depends of course on the kind of community but when you're in a uh, certain kinds of community there's a lot of vulnerability that you have to uh, that's required you've got to take off your mask now, when, it's not so much in our large gatherings here on Sunday, we, we all come in with masks, and we do that. You, you know, I, I, I have my mask, and you have your mask, and we all wear them, we, we all do. We present ourselves in the way that we want to be seen and perceived. Um, but when you're part of a community, that begin, that has to begin to come down, and you begin to reveal who you are, and that's hard to do, and sometimes we just don't wanna do that. And not, So I think that that also, uh, becomes a roadblock, a hindrance to the kind of community that we're called to. I want to go to um, how this relates to the issue of church. Um, the challenge is to do community, but how does that relate to church? Not very long ago, my wife was having a conversation with one of our daughters, and the daughter uh, speaking to her family, we're not... Church-centric. Church-centric. I'm not sure if that's a real word, but I knew what she meant. (laughs) So what she's saying there is um, our lives are not completely wrapped up in church. And I think that there was a suggestion that maybe that's the way she was raised. (laughs) Um, Our lives were very involved with church. That's so true. And maybe there's a suggestion also that mom and dad, that's the way you are, you're church-centric, but that's, church is important to us, but we're not church-centric, and I did a lot of thinking about that, is that a valid way to think of it, and this is my conclusion, Uh, I think that we ought not to be church-centric, I don't see myself, I can understand why my daughter would say that, but I don't see myself as church-centric, what we should be is Christ-centric, and that's the way I want to be, that's my desire, that's That's how I I want to to see things, is that I'm Christ-centric. And so then the question becomes, if we're Christ-centric, then how is that going to affect church for us? By church, a little definition, we are talking about the total group of God's people. Um, And then when God's people come together and meet in a, a smaller community, that's a local church. Now, this is the thing that Scripture teaches us, is that God dwells in His people by His Spirit. So, we're not just an organization, but we are actually a living organism. Because Christ dwells in us by His Spirit. And we're actually the temple of God. So, Ephesians 2, 19-22. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by His Spirit. So it's a living organism, it's not an institution. Although it is, it's not an organization, primarily, although it is, but it is living because God dwells within us by His Spirit. And so when we gather together as a spiritual community, we become like a sanctuary. We're a sanctuary from the alienation that is in the world. We're a sanctuary from the brokenness that's in the world. We're a sanctuary from the despair that is in the world. There's something special and privileged and holy when we come together, and I hope that you sense that and feel that, that this is a sanctuary, and what makes it so is the presence of God. It's not just us, but it's God dwelling in us by his spirit that creates that, it's like a safety zone, a place where we can uh, feel uh, that we're a part of others in a safe way, that we're identified with others who also know and follow Jesus. Okay, so, what about all the problems that are in the church? And the church has been filled with problems. Um, yeah, there's sin in the church, and there's weakness, and there's hypocrisy, and uh, there's brokenness within the church, and uh, many of us have been wounded by past church experiences, unfortunately, and, and that's the hard thing, is that sometimes we're hurt. There, there's hurtful things that happen in the church, so doesn't that uh, really preclude what we're calling the value of the church as being a community today? Um, there's always going to be human failures because it's a human institution as well as the divine. It is divine. God dwells within us by his spirit, but it's also human, and so as long as it's human, we're going to have hypocrisy, and we're going to have the weaknesses. We're going to continue to have failure, failures, it's part of it, but... You know, yet Jesus identifies with his church. That's the thing. He identifies with us, his people, his church, knowing the problems. Matthew 16, 18 says, and this is a paradox, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He said, I will build my church. There's two things that he says there. I will build my church. He's the builder. He's the one that puts the church together. And then he says, it's my church. He identifies With his people, when he says, "It is my church." Please don't give up on the church, okay? Because God doesn't do that, even with all of its weaknesses. But back to the question of church-centric versus Christ-centric, I think to be committed to Christ, Christ Christ-centric means to be committed to His church. That's that's my very strong opinion. I don't think that we can separate one from another. Um, but another aspect, we're talking about the weakness of the church and its failures, another aspect of that is the fact that we don't get community just by attending, have you found that out? You have, I'm sure in fact it's possible to come right here and sit down and then leave again and never make a friend and I I sincerely hope that that's not you but it very possibly is today, that might describe you Uh, and my heart breaks because uh, It shouldn't be that way and we try we do do try to make connection Um, and it is our desire to uh, to see people that uh, maybe we don't know and go up and say hi my name is Paul Uh, what is your name and begin the connection process Um, but people uh, people are gonna fall through the cracks and they do and if that's happened to you I'm very sorry I'll be honest with you when we first came to streams my first impression was they're not very friendly was my first impression, <laughs> but we continued on, and uh, we got we got past that fairly quickly, because I, I believe that we've got a lot of relationship going on in this church, and that is our desire, and that's who we are um, at, our, at our heart, at, at streams, but I know that sometimes it doesn't happen like we want it to happen, so you've just got to take steps to connect. You've got to, uh, sometimes you've got to be the one to stick out your hand and say, hi, I'm your name, and you know, tell me your name. Um, you've got to get past that um, that barrier that that sometimes is there, okay? Um, because the benefits of a spiritual community are there, and if we persevere beyond those barriers, there's value, there's real value in, in connecting with other people and becoming part of something, okay? Um, I want to apply this. We've talked about the church. I want to. T- Apply this to small groups because there's there's real value in small groups. There's benefit to the larger group. Like uh, the early church met uh, back to Acts 2:46, day by day attending the temple together. That was the large group, and then breaking bread in their homes was the smaller groups. There, there were house churches. Also, um, the house church was a phenomenon throughout the first century. They that was a frequent thing. That was the norm. They would they met together and they met together in larger groups. Wherever they could find a place to meet, sometimes it was just outside, but then they would meet together in in houses. So, for example, Acts 12, 12, uh, speaking of Peter here, it says, He went to the house of Mary, where many were gathered together and were praying. That was a group of believers, a community of believers that were gathered together, and they were praying together. That was a very common thing in those days. So, house churches were the small groups. They were smaller, and they were very very beneficial things that happen. There's benefits to both. In this, uh, the large group, we've got corporate worship going on, and, and uh, corporately we're hearing the word of God together, and there's things that we can do as part of the large group. Group Children's ministry, youth ministry, uh, those kinds of things. But the smaller group has real value, it's, and the value in smaller groups is relational. That's where you really begin to dig in and make relational connections and so that's where I want I want to suggest that you really consider that. Um, at Streams there are multiple opportunities for you to be uh, connected with a, a small spiritual community, or a small group, I'll just mention some of those. Uh, we have weekly men's and women's groups that meet. We have a weekly young adult group that meets. We've got twice a month home groups that meet. Um, We've got a weekly adult Bible class that meets at 8.30 every Sunday morning. The worship team meets together. They are a spiritual community that uh, meets and functions together as a small group. In the fall, we're launching a a small group system, and the the term that we're using is rooted. And there's more to come on this, uh, but it's an opportunity, an opportunity to to, uh, become part of something, a smaller group and become connected and uh, build relationships with other people. So I have not, have not hit you overhead with the idea of church today. And the uh, Hebrews 25 verse, which, do you know what that is? That's the one that says you need to go. <laughs> and I haven't, <laughs> that's my interpretation, but that's what it says. Um, I, I, I'm not hitting you with that, that's not where I'm coming from, and I hope that that's not what you're hearing today. I want to to impress you with the value, the benefits, not the obligation. And I hope that you don't think of being in church as simply an obligation that you have to fulfill, but the benefits are there. The value is there, and that's what I'm trying to, to say today. Um, it's a benefit, it's not an obligation, and As that applies to the large group, the Sunday morning group, that also applies to the small groups that we've been talking about, which are faith communities. So this is it. There's just great benefit in living your life together within a community and living together with others and doing life together with others. And that's the challenge today. Is that happening? Are you connected? Today we want to have a time of prayer. And I... uh, I I want to invite uh, members of our prayer team to come forward, and they're just going to line the front, and we're going to give you opportunity uh, to come and be prayed for as the worship team plays. If you don't come forward, I want to encourage you just to worship and be in prayer during this time. But this is the thing, first of all, if we've talked about relationships, and if you are really hurting by a broken relationship, I want to encourage you to come forward and pray for that relationship this morning. Would you do that if, if there's a broken relationship in your life? Would you just come forward and have one of the members of the prayer team? Um, yeah, just let's just stretch it out across the front here. We can, we can even come to the other side. But have, have one of the members of the uh, prayer team pray for you. If you don't feel connected, we've talked about community today. If you are not feeling connected, you might want to come just for that. That, that God will open that door up and, and you'll feel a part connection. If you need healing in your body, it's a good time to come up and get prayed for. If you need help with finances, come and get prayed for, or really any, anything else. Okay, it's pretty wide open. If you're not coming up, let's just have a time of worship. Just let this time be a, a time of seeking God and praying. Uh, but I do encourage you. We, you've got opportunity, so no excuses. If, you know You've got opportunity to be prayed for. Uh, Would you come up and do that this morning?